0: Okay, three, three, two, one. Hello, welcome back to the Astrophotography Podcast. My name is Steve, I'm, from Ast- ah, <laughs> I'm gonna, <I> <laughs> up. I'm going to start again.
1: <laughs> okay. Even though it's audio, we got to have the bloopers real for real. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right, sometimes I'll put something in there, but all right. Try again. <laughs> Hello, welcome back to the Astrophotography Podcast. Eh. Three, two, <laughs> one. Two, one. Hello, and welcome back to the Astrophotography Podcast. I know it's been such a long time. I'm Steve. I'm from Ontario Telescope and Accessories and Starfield Optics. And, you know, today I have a, well, there's a lot going on right now. Um, I have uh, a co host with me. Uh, his name is Dustin, Dustin Enfinger. Uh, he's been in the hobby for a while. And he has some very cool equipment we're going to talk about. And I'm going to apologize profusely right now because it's been like 11 months since the last podcast that's gone out. And I'm really sorry, but it's been, I, you know, there's been a lot going on in life and it's busy and I've tried a few episodes and kind of get them to work. And by the time I got them done, that was old information that didn't really mean anymore because the comment had come and gone. I'm rambling. Okay. Anyways, Dustin, (laughs) how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you doing, Steve?
0: I'm great. Thanks very much for uh for doing this with me. And and um uh, I'm I'm fully expecting you to kick my ass and keep me in line and uh keep keep us doing this on a regular basis. Um this is a uh uh something that I've I, you know started off really strongly in the past and I want to continue doing it, you know, one or two a year is not acceptable to the audience that we have, and uh which is global, which is amazing um but i want you know we need to get that information out there so you know dustin tell us a bit about yourself tell us about your equipment what you do stuff you like to image uh hit us go
1: so i've been in the hobby uh, from green at in 2018 up until now and i've gone from uh just using a simple telescope that it was a 70 millimeter refractor to and a, a homemade uh, smartphone adapter and to picked up my first scope uh the cg4 and the omni xlt 120 purchased wow. the motor drive set for it and thought that I was just like you know in that asi 120 mcs and i thought that i was like set i had no idea like had no idea what was what i didn't even know what you know it emission nebulae were or anything. And yep. uh, I took, took my telescope with uh, on a vacation to California and went to OC telescopes and learned a lot and uh, got a lot of ideas. And and I think about a year later, I purchased the, uh, the Rasa AVX combo and that was my first jump into deep sky. And thinking that this, that was going to be it. You know, it was going to be a simple scope, but it was kind of as incredible as the Rasa was. It was a little difficult for me. And um, I uh, shortly thereafter, after photographing the Mercury transit in Cape Canaveral, I uh, lucked out by being offered a job at Takahashi America, uh, Land, Sea and Sky in Houston, which is where I'm actually from. And so there began a three and a half year uh, just journey into learning some of the most complicated adapter setups and, uh, you know, information hunts that people go through uh, and just. Really stepping up my my skills and understanding of all the variables involved in this amazing hobby,
0: and it's yeah, uh, so been a. You, you started off with with a CG four mountain, a clock drive, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and and I know what equipment you have now, right? <laughs> so it's like going from one extreme to the next. Um, I'll. Uh, <laughs> maybe-
1: it, it really is, um, yeah. I never thought that I would uh well okay, that's not that's not true i know myself better than that i, I tend to jump headfirst into whatever i get into and um w- with with a clear vision though i'll say um because i really understand the capabilities that certain actions have and so after learning about the equipment i've picked up uh an fsq85 which has a mono camera and a seven position filter wheel on it pretty modest setup uh, it's a uh, Prima Cestos, and so uh, focuser on it, which tends to work pretty well. Um, I it, so okay. So one thing to note to note here, or to make a comment about, is uh, for Takahashi owners. Um, I've often heard that Takahashi focusers, the visual focusers, single speed. I will agree with, but the dual speed focusers are just fine for connecting a focus motor to to them. The only time that you get slippage with those focusers is if you don't file a flat spot on the fine focus shaft for the grub screw on your focuser to bite to. Yep. Like I shot with the TOA-130 with the Sesto Censo at the Zenith and never had an issue moving that filter wheel and camera.
0: So, okay. well, they, I think it, that's it, so. they look like very simple uh, focusers. Um, uh, and I, uh, I was at a star party last year and a and gentleman um, had a ESA 102. The one, oh, yeah, 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 one of the older yeah. ones. Yeah, and uh, it was an, an FS, and it doesn't matter, right? He loved the scope, it, w- it was really good. <laughs> and uh, he was curious about the focuser, and he took it apart, <laughs> and oh, no. um, he said that was probably the biggest mistake he ever made with a scope. Because how intricate it was internally that you don't see, right? Yeah. And how much you had to put together, uh, how much work it, it took for him to put it back together in order to uh, uh, get it to work properly again. Um, uh, I look at my, I've, I've got a couple of tacks. I have the, the FC or FS. I'm looking at it. 60, the little guy. FS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The
1: FS60CB.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's an older one. It's from the early 2000s. Anyways, oh, it's, a, it's a shorter one. Um, a shorter tube. I'll have to look at the name tag, I'll do that later. Um, and it's got a simple single speed focuser on it. Um, but yeah, it's pretty cool. But yeah, so okay, you have you have tax, which is awesome, right? So like I said, right. we're going from one extreme to the to the next. Um you have an observatory. You've got a couple of mounts, right? Everything's set up on that. You're an iOptron user, which is awesome, right? I use iOptron. I love iOptron. Ioptron. I love the new iOptron harmonic mounts. They're excellent, excellent mounts. Um, What kind of images do you like to image or go after? like Tell us a little bit about your your imaging style, the techniques you use to acquire data.
1: So um, what... Some of the, I think the best things that you can do, because ultimately, you know, with time being the factor, right? Because whether you're somewhere that just has bad weather consistently, or you just work too much, or just whatever the case may be that you don't have, you have limited time on the sky. um, You want to make every single sub exposure count that you can. Um, So one of the things that I did that profoundly increased the tracking Uh, The guiding accuracy of my CEM70, which is just the base model, no encoders on it, was um, going through the gear, the gear meshing procedure, but kind of thinking of it in a different manner. Uh, So what I did was I put the scope in park position, loosened the uh, the, uh, lock screw and then slewed the mount while tightening the tension screw until it bound that axis up. And then just let off of it enough to let it start moving freely. And after that, my guiding went from like like under one still, but like around 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.8 arc seconds to like 0. 0.15 to 0. 0.3 consistently.
0: Yeah. yeah. Which Not which much. depending on your on your pixel scale. Right. Overall, right. As long as you're within your pixel scale and the declination and the RA error matches. Right. Right. You should be fine, right? So, exactly. Um, that's what I aim for, anyways. I, I try not to get hung up on on getting like point one. If I get point one error, that's awesome, right? So, <laughs> but it doesn't you start
1: matter. to think you start to think, have I died?
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um uh, and not in my skies, anyways. So uh you so you've got some heavy duty equipment, you have the total one thirty. You mentioned the C eleven. I don't know if you mentioned the, the C11, the C11 edge.
1: edge, and and yeah. I've only really run that with the F7 reducer and the full frame 6200 color camera, okay. and that's been that's been a fun little thing that I've been kind of figuring out because I didn't have an off-axis guider on it for a while, mm-hmm. so I was shooting. Um, I've got some really some shots that I'm really happy with of like the Horsehead and Orion that were comprised of just 30 second sub exposures.
0: Okay, and
1: yeah. this came out good, but I'm looking forward now to shooting pretty deep on some stuff with it.
0: So taking that reducer off too. Yeah. Oh, that'll definitely do. Especially as we get into the into the fall, there's some nice little targets that are starting to come up, right? Where that, that extra focal length really makes a difference. Um, Absolutely. We were talking about earlier, you mentioned like Deerlick, um, uh, which is, or am I thinking of seconds quintet? So they're right next to each right other. Right next to actually. each other, yeah, yeah, yeah. And,
1: and they're there's small objects overall. Oh yeah. And, and with my framing, I can actually frame both sets of galaxies in the same frame with the full-frame camera.
0: Okay, well, nobody likes to show off.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. should have um, thrown, like, a smug little, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really... Um, but yeah, so I, I, I do a lot of shooting, though, with my FSQ-85. Like, I've just, since using that telescope, um, I, I just... Absolutely, fell in love with it. Uh, just with a flattener, no reducer. Um, even if I had the FSQ 106, I would not throw the 645 or the F3 reducer on it. I would still shoot it prime focus. Um, yeah, that's that's just me though. And uh, you, you know, another, I'd say most of my components are iOptron for for what's carrying these rigs, and um, and then the FSQ, and then the C11 but I've got eagles on both of them running them. Uh, you know, Tom Bramwell's the man. I, I go, I've been working with him through Takahashi for a long time, actually from when he very first started and kind of broke ground, which he's yeah. now doing a second time on having an actual show, uh, showroom.
0: Yep. So, yeah. Tom, I mean, Tom's awesome. About, yeah. Tom's a great guy. Uh, I met him just as he started with Prime Luce and I was at AIC, and he was telling me he had just come back from Italy, and you know everything I'd say. exactly, um, which was really really cool. Uh, and um, yeah, no, Tom Tom's awesome.
1: Yeah, he's he's really just uh, y- you know, like I, I try to go, I would try to go above and beyond in helping customers out because I know that this is an incredibly. Um, If I think that something's really technically dense and challenging, then I think that, you know, it's probably likely the same for for most other people just trying to get into it uh, blind for the first time. So I really try to help people out and and maximize their potential for success. And Tom does the same thing. I mean, he's he's been on the phone with me or or Facebook, you know, two o'clock in the morning, which he has the benefit of the two hours uh, behind me. So but yeah he's just um yeah unpre- unprecedented product support and knowledge all those years at, at apple definitely helped out i do know i lost audio there for some reason
0: no yeah i'm here um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I hit the mute button on my on my microphone because there was something happening out, outside my office um <laughs> it's this is live uh live <laughs> so um yeah no that, that that support at two in the morning right um i think there's there are a few people that are very dedicated to the hobby uh to the business that do it right i'll, I'll be out imaging on my backyard um observatory and an email comes in and you're up and if it's a simple thing you can answer right then why not um absolutely yeah, but you you uh you also do, um, support and, and and setup and and remote assistance and and training. Am I right? Is that that something that you're doing yourself?
1: That is correct. Um, so it's something that I kind of uh, you know it was kind of just like a uh, an afterthought, or something that I kind of saw there being potential for when I was uh, working at, at Takahashi. Because you know, again, so many customers would come in that are either just trying to step up their game, and they they see someone who's doing well at what they want to do well at, and so they like, hey, you know, how could how can you help me out with this? So I've done in-person astrophotography instruction on any level, um, just you know, polishing out some some little acquisition details and in, in equipment setup, or just from ground zero from from building a rig up um, and. I've done this for both uh, remote permanent setups as well as you know just someone ha- having a small camera rig in their backyard. And um, so both instruction and then like like you said, the uh, tech support because and this came from from Takashi as well, having a customer on a road trip from uh, an RV road trip from Florida to California was set up for his first night of imaging with his setup that we built and was having all kinds of problems. So, using his uh, cell phone's remote, uh, or sorry, uh, mobile hotspot, I was able to get him to download a remote desktop program, log in, and within an hour, he was taking his first images. That's so awesome. it's something I'd like to know that you know people have available. So, especially if there's traveling somewhere for this, that someone that that understands what to look for can can come in and either fix it show them teach them what's going on so that they learn about that moving forward or can identify that hey it's probably this cable that's bad and you know at least you know what's going on with it so you can resolve it
0: yeah no, that's awesome so you know if if, if you're out there and you, you want to get some some assistance uh you want to talk with dustin um have them remote in uh or maybe even come out to see you or something um to that effect, uh, how would how would someone get a hold of you right now? So
1: I'd say at the moment, um, my Instagram account, which is uh it's pretty, it's uh you know really original, it's Dustin Lee Astro. Um so that's uh, that has a contact link with my email, which is aperture driven at gmail.com. And cool. so you can just drop me an email there and um and then
0: we can link up and, and sort out what we're doing. Yeah, we'll we'll put we'll put that those that that address in the in the link in the in the description as well if people want to find it. Um so you've got some heavy-duty equipment, you're taking some what's your favorite object to image right now, this time of year, that you can go back to over and over again, not get bored of it, different variations, um uh different palettes like that. One object. You only get to pick one. And it's like trying oh, to pick yeah. your favorite child. <laughs> <laughs> right and 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 uh, that that is like yes this is what I like this is the the, the object I like the peace
1: day resistance <laughs> um <laughs> and all the French Canadians are like oh no no um, <laughs> you <be> in trouble <laughs> <laughs> just, just blame it on me I'm from peace yeah, yeah. I'm from Texas. they'll they'll understand yeah um. <laughs> I would say at the moment, like I'm kind of at an in-between point. I mean, I, I love the the Pleiades and I still haven't, I have a 90 minute Pleiades image that is actually quite phenomenal for the amount of time that's on it. But I have wanted to go back and really dive deep on that and get those super faint clouds around it Um I think one of the best astrophotos I've ever seen was actually I saw it on the Anacorda's website and it was of, of a TOA 130 NFB shot of the of the Pleiades and it just it looks like you're sitting right there next to it. Yeah. Um, so I might be going after that, but I mean Orion is always like a kind, you know, first favorite, but as much as Orion is a first favorite, it's typically not one that's that's done to its full potential. And and I remember getting that one that that image of that target whenever I uh, started working for Takahashi and I I had the FSQ eighty five out for first light, um, it was the Horsehead. I had just gotten the Altair twenty six C camera, yep. and it was that IMX five seventy one chip. Which that and the two full the full frame and the the two medium format forms of that sensor line are just phenomenal, yep. and you know they were finally the death knell in CCDs. I think. Um, just saying yeah we can do this well so uh yeah that image it's just a five hour integration but I was able to pull everything around it that no one you know usually sees with that target to the point that some people would look at that image and say what is this what target is this
0: <laughs> yeah yeah I've seen I've seen a few really good Orion shots where you get all that extra nebulosity and dust around it oh yeah it's done really really oh, well all, all that goodness.
1: Yeah, because there's some really cool stuff under the Running Man too, like those like like uh, streaked lines of the dark nebula in front of that kind of yep. faint glowing blue stuff. It just looks really cool yeah. when you really put some time into it. Um, yeah, so I, so at the moment, I'd say maybe Andromeda, um, which I actually haven't done too many variations on, but right now I started a uh, a mosaic of that with the C11. Oh wow! So. We're gonna be doing a nine panel mosaic of it. So I'm looking forward to that. Wow, that
0: that, that that's gonna be a big shot. Um yeah. Yeah. That'd be Rough,
1: a, roughly 500, 500 megapixel shot.
0: Yeah, I'm really interested in seeing that when it's done. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I um uh you know, we're getting into the in, into the falls now, so the targets are coming up. Um I, I'm a big wide field guy. I like, I like doing the wide field shot. Um, cause it's easier.
1: <laughs> so your your uh, heart and soul shot was awesome. Thank with you. That's what the sky hunter.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like that wide field. I like to get all that extra data around. I like to, to surround everything or multiple objects. I once framed, I never took the shot, but I have, um, an ASCAR. um, Oh, what's it called? The FMA one thirty five, the little small oh, guy, nice. super yeah. wide, right? Super super wide. And on a on a DSLR, I have a modified Nikon D fifty six hundred, um, uh, in my arsenal with some other D, uh, modified DSLRs. Uh, but I was able to get like five, and I have to look at it again. I think I can get it now, like five different ob- major objects in one shot, right? Nice, without land right? So like a real, right. So I'd like to, I'd like to try to do that. And I that I really like that wide field thing. And then it for me me, though, to be honest with you, because I'll go, I don't really have the skies where I am uh, that are very good, but I'll go camping once a month on new moon weekend. And I like to go light and I don't want a lot of equipment and I just want to set it up, pull our line, go. And I don't want to mess around with anything else with it. um, Right. Because I I find in, in that situation, if you, if something's not working, you end up spending half the night fighting with the gear and we get up here in Canada. Anyways, I don't, I don't know what it was like for you down in Texas, but um, this past summer, the weather was horrible. Um, weather wise. And then we had the smoke on top of it from the forest fires. Um, so we had very, very few, clear night so when you get a clear night you want it to be good right like you, you don't want to waste it and, and uh that's almost why i don't even bother with mono sometimes because like it's just more work i have to do later and i know the mono guys are probably like, cringing and swearing my name right now i use mono too don't get me wrong right my background <laughs> is mono um just because of the that's guys cool that horse, i have man. it's all narrow band i have to do but um Yeah, I like to have that light white and just the wide field thing is really cool. One of my favorite shots uh, was with uh, Nikon D810A, right? So it's hydrogen alpha sensitive already. And I set my lens to 80 millimeter because it's an 80 to 200. Um, And I pointed it towards Cassiopeia and I got Cassiopeia and I got heart and soul and I got... I got a little bit of the double cluster and I got Pac-Man and I got just a whole bunch of things. There's so much there, right. In, in that region of sky. And, uh, um, uh, my friends make fun of me saying <laughs> he's doing Caspian again. They're like, yeah, I am. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's so much there. Um, it's sort of like Orion. There's so much in Orion that you can, you can, imagine. Oh, yeah. right. Um, you know, that the entire Orion, constellation is full of stuff. Yeah. Right. I didn't, I didn't like, I I looked through a book, turn left at Orion didn't realize how much there is there even from, from just visually with a pair of binoculars that you can that you can you can do with it um but you know so okay we have the fall coming up what's some targets we can tell people to go after
1: so you know um as of right now you know Pleiades. well for me i i'm in houston so pleiades is high uh pretty much all through the night uh andromeda uh, like you said mentioned earlier the uh, helix um yeah. right is coming up so there's some planetary stuff coming up um yep. I believe the what is it the what is the one next to thor's helmet is it the swan seagull nebula seagull the seagull and the and the and uh the duck nebula aka thor's helmet
0: yeah um so, well, and, damn Thor is a little difficult to get because it's always really low right
1: yeah what latitude are you at again
0: i'm at forty three. 43, I'm at 29. Yeah. So there's a big so. difference here. So Thor's will Thor will be high, right? But like Polaris for me, the polar line is easy because Polaris is there, right? <laughs> it's probably much lower on the horizon for you. Um
1: yeah, it's yeah, it's a yeah, about um, yeah, well, at twenty-nine degrees. Um, but yeah, like what is what is it like having that much more viewability of the northern sky?
0: Well, for stuff in the north, it's really good, right? So anything, um, uh, like the dark shark, you can
1: see like, the heart and soul like year round, you,
0: right? Yeah, I can. I I, I can see Cassiopeia year round, the Big Dipper year that's round. That's so cool. Um, it's it's always there because it's rotating around, right? And um, uh, there's t- times that's better than than others, obviously. Sometimes when, well, in, in the in the spring, Cassiopeia is re- really low, right? So it's usually right. behind the house. Um, but yeah, it's it's always there. But there's always there's some beautiful dark dark nebula there in the north oh yeah right even just right uh, around polaris yeah oh yeah uh let's see we got the iris um which is i have seen a lot of pictures online right now very popular very beautiful object iris is one right. of those objects for me it's like it's a it looks like a portal to another dimension right the way it looks straight straight up uh there's a dark shark there's the uh my friends call the dark jellyfish which is net, right next to a dark shark there's the the seahorse the Loch Ness monster right all these beautiful dark regions that are nice and high right usually pretty easy to get to um any time of the year uh usually right but you need to have good sight lines like in the spring i think um and you don't want it to get too low right but then you're kind of imaging in the muck right And exactly yeah good um way too much atmosphere yeah but you know helix for you i think be really good right because it'd be higher than it would be for me right the helix right. short time window, but it's nice and bright, so you can do some imaging on it over a couple of nights and still get a lot of nice detail on it. And then um there was another one too. well oh, you mentioned Andromeda M33, right? m thirty three. That's a right now
1: I'm, I can still get a little bit of time too on some of the Milky Way core stuff like the, yeah. the Eagle and Omega.
0: Yeah, yeah um, you, uh, should, uh, yeah, you, you Omega. should be able to. It's kind of over for us now. Uh Maybe not. I have to be really quick and the conditions have to be good. There's a shot that I want to do, and I saw it was an APOD actually several years ago, where it was Andromeda and M33 in one frame in the FD, oh, nice. it's with a 50 millimeter lens, right? Um, in order to to frame it up nicely, right? And uh the only pro issue I had, right? Uh my 50 millimeter lens, it's in it's only manual focus. Well, it's all going to be manual focus. Right, um, right f right. 1.4. So manually focusing it was a real chore. Right? Is that is that one of the Sigma art? No, it's an old Nikon. It's an old okay. Nikon lens. Right. Um, beautiful lens. from the 80s. I picked it up for a hundred bucks from a guy, and um, uh, in over the next couple of weeks, I keep telling myself this: I'll make up a rig so I can have a little focusing motor on it and and make the make the adjustments. Right um man, uh, manually then i don't have to i don't have to worry about it um so i like to make it easy <laughs> that's, exactly. that's what i do um but yeah one of the
1: downside of the shooting with that camera lens uh on an astro setup is that you know the complexity of the uh of the focusing auto focusing equipment but once you got it set you're good
0: yeah oh it, it it i did a i did a setup um i wasn't too impressed with the lens that i got and so i'm not going to mention it in case somebody has a good one and I just got a bad one, but, um, <laughs> I have a Canon 60 DA and I had a, uh, 200 millimeter F4 lens on it, which I was really excited about. And it, I, all my stars were triangles. So it was awful. Um, but on that one, I set up a, a motor and a belt drive and guiding. It was just popping on the mountain, let it go. Um, and if I can 3d print something, then I'll 3d print it Or uh, to make it work. <laughs> Absolutely. And if yeah, anyone... 3D, 3D printers sure are great right now. Oh, yeah. see some, <laughs> some amazing ones out there. And if anyone were to see my 3D printers, which are the size of a fridge, um, <laughs> and uh, I just I just bought another one um, from, from an architectural firm. Uh, and they're literally... They're, they're bigger than me. Did I show you a picture of my 3D printer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Massive, right? I was um, a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, printer it, it's not as good as what the printers they have now. It's an old printer, but it's just a, it's a workhorse. It's a production type printer. Um, some of the new ones now, like the Bamboo Labs, are just insane, right? And uh, they oh, keep yeah. coming out with new ones all the time. So wherever it goes, it just it's like astronomy, right? There's always something new coming out. It's like ah, I gotta have that, right? New yeah, filter, new. Really- Camera.
1: Speaking of like technological advancement or just equipment advancement in astronomy, I mean, from when I got into the hobby, CCDs were still, like, trying to fight, you know, for their rightful place as the sole, you know, bearers of, of photons. Yeah. But, um, man, when that 571 sensor hit the market, it was just like... Oh,
0: that's it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then when it, it came, out, came out as mono? Yeah, right. it yeah. was a done deal. Yeah. Oh, uh, it's a, that's a fantastic sensor. Um, I was a little, honestly a little surprised with, with the, the response on the market with that one because it came out and it was one of the more expensive CMOS cameras available, right?
1: Regardless yeah. of the
0: manufacturer, right? It was yeah. up there. Um, Two grand really, in release, right? Yeah. Right. Well, it, here with tax, it was, is a $3,000 camera and right. um, it was a, off the shelf all the time right it's always selling it now now ZWO has flipped the tables upside down and they have put the the guide sensor in the camera I'm still not 100 convinced on it myself
1: I'm kind of confused about that how does
0: that work when you have a light pollution filter in front of it yeah there's, there, it, there's, there's some for your guiding
1: there's something there
0: now I, I know the 220 is a pretty sensitive pretty sensitive sensor but it, it's it'd be interesting time will tell right um yeah. i haven't had a lot of demand on it i think a lot of people are holding off and to see what what will happen um but it's a very interesting uh concept i know well s big had had the patent on it for the longest time right till it ex- recently expired i guess uh, but their guide chip was ahead of the filter wheel right? their guide right, center, right? so it, it eliminated that possibility of being an issue just like when we have an off-axis guider where do we put it ahead of the filter wheel same exactly same for the same reason so um it yeah it's interesting It'd be interesting to see what what transpires with that um you know i could be wrong <laughs>
1: I mean, maybe this, maybe you're, you know, I think you may be right about uh, the sensitivity of the 220 sensor, which seems to be some of these new planetary cameras and smaller sensors that they're coming out with have incredible, um, not, not just, uh, you know, I mean, the frame rate on them are on some of them are, is, is unbelievable, but um, the sensitivity and where in the, where in the, what is it? The, the, bandpass range, its sensitivity lies, makes some right. uh, cameras good for, you know, if you want to try out like infrared guiding, where you're using an IR pass filter to get yep. more stable guide stars, yep. uh, if it, especially if you have, you know, rougher seeing where you're at, like that's something that I've played around with and that's that's kind of cool. But if you have a remote observatory and IR lights on your security cameras, you have to make something to hide those lights, otherwise you blind your guiding. Yeah,
0: yeah, oh, exactly. The, the 220 is an interesting camera it you know it's a fairly decent sized sensor um and the pixels are huge at four four microns
1: right? right
0: so maybe that lends to some of it its ability to be able to u- be used as a guide chip in that scenario right um it's not a new sensor though it's been around for quite a while i think now it's just being oh, adapted really? to yeah um no. now I, that's what i've been told by other people in in the industry. It, that's been around. Like I think it predates the 120. Oh wow! Yeah, I think. And if somebody's out there listening, and I'm completely wrong, I apologize, uh, and please it's let me like know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it'd be interesting to see what happens with that camera, right? Um, uh, they're just now starting to come out onto the market and being delivered from from ZWO. So it's uh if it works, hey, that, that's great. I think you know less equipment to have to fight with, right?
1: one less cable. that's that's you know one of the things i really loved about all i've owned countless ioptrons um you know i, I started with the uh the cem60 ec and i've owned two of those um two of the cem 70s just with ipolar I've, i i currently own a skyguider pro uh, I've got the William optics upgrade and I think you know we we're talking we we're talking about some upgrades uh, ideas you have for the Sky Hunter, and I think the William optics upgrade that gives you that I don't know so much about the counterweight shaft extension, but the uh, the high precision base for it definitely yeah. would really you know step that up to an ex- another level. Yeah, um, but agree. having the integrated electronic polar scope is, is was really amazing. Sure. Um, even even when I couldn't see uh, Polaris, as long as I saw enough stars around it, it would give me you know the estimated area where the dot was. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that was that was really cool starting out, and yeah. uh, just the lightweight nature of the mounts and just how
0: quiet they are, how fast they are is. Uh, so I I got myself uh, an IQ thirty several years ago. And that thing is super, super quiet. I thought it was broken. Yeah. <laughs> I was in a very dark spot and I couldn't see it move. <laughs> I was getting upset that it wasn't moving. And, and then an image comes in, like, oh, okay. It is <laughs> it didn't it work. Uh, super, super cool. Uh that on how quiet it was. Um the uh the Skyhunter is pretty neat. I really like that mount. I need I th- I think there's a couple of things I don't like about it, but the performance wise, it's really good. Um, and I've had several Ioptron mounts myself uh, Sky Guider, Sky, Sky Tracker, Sky Tracker Pro. Well, Sky Guider Pro. I had a ZEQ25, CEM25EC, IQ30, IQ40. I had a 60. I, that's eight. I think I ended it there. Yeah. If I were to buy a mount now, I'd probably get the new HAE. 69 right but i have i already have a, a harmonic mount i have the rainbow astro rst 300 and that, that's just a beast but, is that uh, the
1: one with the, like the 115 pound payload yeah oh yeah i remember that one from uh aic I, oh it's higher
0: than that is yeah, it 50, what what is it 140 55 kilos which is uh, 130 i'm sorry 121 121
1: pounds so yeah that's yeah that's pretty unreal Uh, that that would you know support the uh the dual toa 130 rig that i want to build yeah so yeah i mean actually i want four toa 130s on a single rig on a single platform imaging lrgb simultaneously or double oxygen and and hans 2 very cool so i've got some pie Eye dreams yeah um (laughs) monster rig Oh man, that would be insane. Just dealing with the potential flexure. Gotcha. Yeah. So. So. Oh. Um, yeah. You know, one of the things I, I enjoyed most of, of about yeah, you know, this was just another, I guess, kind of obsession that I got into. But it was, uh, it was, it was a lot more. It, it was a lot deeper for me, uh, just in terms of. Everything that it's it's given to me, um, you know, and I think Trevor Jones said one time, you know, astrophotography gives you so much more back than you put into it. And, um, you know, it definitely does. I mean, the opportunities that Chris and Marcy gave me at Takahashi, uh, Land, Sea and Sky, where, you know, I was able to travel at, to Utah and train a customer's staff on operating our equipment. And so I got to see like a Bortle One Sky, like, you know, ink black from horizon to zenith. Wow. uh I was used to just like shades of navy at best. Yeah. And uh, and then meeting everyone at AIC, meeting being right next to Tom there and just kind of powering around with him and uh and and I think I believe I met you there and and yep. just countless other people, you just meet all these brilliant people that are involved in this amazing hobby and and then Neef this past April and it was just it's been phenomenal. Like I've really
0: really enjoyed the ride. Awesome. Yeah. I think I think we met at Neef I was at AIC. Yeah. But I don't think we actually we I don't think we met met there. Um, but yeah, we met at Neef, and that was uh, that was really cool. So, um, yeah, I love I love the industry. I love the people that I meet with it, right? And and where it where it's taken me. So, yeah, I really really enjoy it. But I think uh, I think we're going to have to continue on our conversation and and getting some more technical stuff on our next podcast. And that sounds uh, good. yeah, we'll do that. So we'll leave it there. Thank you everybody for, for tuning in and listening um and subscribing. Greatly appreciate it as always. Uh share this podcast with your friends and um uh give us a like. I guess that's what they say on TikTok, right? Subscribe and give us a like. There you go. Um so yeah, we'll uh, talk to your wives. Clear skies, everyone.